All right, well, so why don't we pray, and uh, we'll get started, and, I, I'm, and be praying for me. I feel awkward uh, doing this. I see myself on the screen. I don't see any of you, which is also awkward, but uh, yeah. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Well, Lord Jesus, we love you, and uh, we're thankful, Lord, that um, you are in control, that you, nothing has changed in regard to your sovereignty, to your goodness. Uh, nothing has caught you by surprise. Um, from my window, the sky is not falling, and uh, we still belong to you. And so I just pray that during this time that you would minister to us, and that you would minister through us to the people in our world that are afraid of death and uh, afraid of all the, that possibly could happen. And uh, so, Lord, thank you for your grace. And just be with us this morning. Minister to our hearts from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and our office hours, Roger wanted me to remind you. Um, I'm in the office uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Are you going to be in the office on Mondays and Tuesdays? Uh, I'll be the same as you, I think. Okay. So nobody will be here on Mondays and Tuesdays, but I'll have my phone on me. And uh, Trina will be available as well. So, all right. Well, this morning there are a few things I would like to remind you of and things that I would like to encourage you in, uh, knowing that there's more to talk about this morning uh, than I can address in one sitting. And in fact, over the last week I've been uh, bombarded with uh, so much information and wrestled with so many issues and options that it's hard to know where exactly to begin. Um, yeah, so it's been strange. I haven't had much time to uh, study. I've been out and about and uh, many late nights, early mornings. And um, so I guess with all of that in mind, I'd like to start with something joyous. Uh, Dieter and Kennedy were not about to let all of this stuff stop them from getting married. And uh, so yesterday they became uh, Mr. and Mrs. Votberg. And uh, the crowd was actually quite slim for a Votberg wedding. Uh, but it was never about the crowd anyway. It was about their covenant and, uh, and maybe a little bit about the brisket that uh, Jeremy Corwin served us. And it's my understanding that he's available for all your special events, so please give him a call. Uh, but anyway, blessings to Dieter and Kennedy. And uh, we're all looking forward to um, all that God's going to do in their life uh, for his glory. So with that said, let's, let's get started. Um, so I'm sure you've noticed and have been observing uh, how interesting things have become. Uh, sometimes it's been a bit entertaining and, uh, and other times a bit tragic. It, from my perspective, you know, people are haunted by uncertainty. But it needs to be said to the people of Christ that uncertainty is the place where genuine faith thrives and demonstrates to the world that there's a God in heaven who loves his children. Uh, uncertainty is one of the few realms where faith can really be tested and God be proven. You know, when the outcome of tomorrow cannot be factored in with any real accuracy and the events at hand are out of our control, that's really when faith gets real. It's the testing ground that will ultimately prove what we're made of. Uh, we briefly considered the exhortation from James 1 last week where he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so James is telling us that the presence of trials is the testing ground of faith by which God intends to perfect our trust in him. See, we all need to be reminded that while God is not the author of all of the chaos, he is using it to perfect our trust in him. So now is not the time to be caught up and overwhelmed by the uncertainty. Now is the time to walk by faith and let Christ do his good work in us. But uh, I think a lot of people would say that, you know, that doesn't really change the reality of our needs being met. And I, I know that. I have my family and my children. Uh, but so does Jesus know that. And uh, so I think also we need to be reminded of what he said on the mountain. In Matthew chapter uh, 6, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your Father, your heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying could add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you little of faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew six twenty-five through 34. So our most basic needs are, well, quite honestly, are far less than what we think in Western civilization. It's here that we have all of our luxuries, which we actually refer to as first world problems, and quite often I think that first world problems are a hindrance to faith. So what if there isn't enough meat for you uh, to be true to your keto diet? Uh, Eat some beans and rice and, and go help someone with real needs. Those of you who are organic, natural, fresh food eaters, I'm afraid you're gonna have to eat some canned foods with preservatives. Heaven forbid it be spam of all things. But if it does come to that, you can give me a call. Uh, Being from Hawaii, Shandy has some amazing recipes that can transform Hawaiian steak into a masterpiece. So I think that when all this blows over, we can go back to our diets. But for now, it's time to serve people. Jesus actually says that now, which means never, never is the time to worry about your life, food, clothing or tomorrow. Now is the time to trust your Father who loves you. Now is not the time to be more consumed with ourselves uh, than we were yesterday. Now is the time to walk by faith. Uh, And with that, I would say, yeah, we should be wise with what we have, but never at the expense of charity. 
Now, I'm actually more concerned at this point that the stress caused by the threat of scarcity will cause people to overeat and just desire more purely out of self-preservation. I would rather we all got a little slimmer for the sake of other people. And by way of taking our eyes off ourselves, um, I want to remind you to be praying for our leaders in various levels of government that they would make wise decisions for every level of society. Uh, Be praying for our community that we weather this with wisdom, with courage, and especially charity. Be praying for those among us that are in greater danger because of the virus, that God would protect them, and that he would use us to meet their needs. And be praying for every opportunity to advance the gospel and share the love of Christ. Um, These trials obviously will not only test the people of faith, Uh, God's going to use these circumstances to open the hearts of unbelievers to the gospel. And so this is really our opportunity to shine. As you know, uh, all public and private schools will be shut down for the next uh, six weeks starting Monday, which means that parents will have to either stay home from work, which most cannot afford, or the kids will be left unattended which is bad in so many ways. This is a chance for some of us to lend some assistance to those families by watching their children. And if their kids are unbelievers, you'll have a captive audience to share the gospel with until their parents pick them up. I think that's a sweet opportunity. And uh, I would encourage as, as many of you can to take advantage of it. Also, there are people in our church and probably in your own neighborhood who are in greater danger if they're exposed to the virus, this is a great opportunity to do the shopping for them. Uh, And I I don't think it's going to be long before we know people that are quarantined that have the virus and they're going to have the same needs. And so uh, you don't have to be exposed to them. You just have to drop the groceries off at their doorstep. So please uh, be aware of people. Make yourself available. Also, Uh, Perhaps, uh, as I have, uh, you might run into people at Walmart or Costco. They're a little freaked out. And you just happen to have about 45 minutes uh, to spare while you wait in line with them. And what they could use is an encouraging word from someone with a sound mind with the gospel ready on their lips. What they don't need is to hear another conspiracy theory or how the sky is falling because it's not. If we all love our neighbors as we already love ourselves, this, this whole thing is going to go a lot better for everyone, and God will be glorified by his people. Jesus said, you know, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew five sixteen. Paul said, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, Romans twelve thirteen. Now, contributing to the needs of the saints has to do with taking care of one another, which is our highest priority. As Paul told the Galatians, saying, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians 6.10. So let's take care of one another. But Paul also says, seek to show hospitality. That actually has to do with entertaining strangers. The, the word in Greek for hospitality, it literally means affection for strangers or love for strangers, uh, which manifests itself in providing them with food, clothing, and shelter. 
And a stranger, of course, is everyone we don't know whether they're a Christian or not. And, and so during this trial, we should be praying and looking for opportunity to share the gospel, and we should be pursuing the chance to so, show affection to strangers. Th- this, I really believe this is our opportunity to shine. And so love your neighbors, you already love yourself, and all the bases are going to be covered. Or we might say, as love is or means, to seek the ultimate good for those around you, regardless of who they are. Now, this, this morning I'd intended to just continue in our study of Hebrews, but because of our current situation, my mind has kept wandering back to the song of Habakkuk, better pronounced Habakkuk. Uh, most people, uh, I, they probably don't know who Habakkuk is or what song he's sung, so I, I'd like to go there this morning in Habakkuk 3, Uh, which is four books back from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, So please turn there. Uh, And once you uh, have gotten to Habakkuk 3, go ahead and look at the latest sentence of the last verse, verse 19. I'll give you a sec to, to turn there. You probably left your Bibles on your nightstand. Habakkuk Chapter 3, verse 19, the last sentence says this, to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. The whole chapter uh, of of Habakkuk 3 is actually a psalm, which is a song that was sung to God for the people of God. Apparently, Habakkuk intended to incorporate this song into the worship service of the faithful Jews who were living just before and during the Babylonian invasion. Now, my mind didn't wander to Habakkuk because I believe that the prophecies given there are at all related to what's happening around the world because they're not related at all. What Habakkuk saw in his vision was God's discipline of the southern kingdom of Judah and God's judgment on the Babylonian armies. So there's no relationship between Habakkuk and the current events of our day. So why would I concern myself with the song My heart is actually drawn to Habakkuk's faith and his disposition, which is revealed in the anticipation of chaos, scarcity, and heartache. Uh, Death, famine, and destruction were really at Judah's door. And Habakkuk knew that there was nothing that could turn aside God's anger from Judah. Judah had crossed the line to such a degree that God would not turn back from judging them. And Habakkuk knew that what he saw in his vision, it was, it was going to come to pass, and it did. Again, even with everything in this world that angers God, and the list is extremely long, I'm not making a connection between the outbreak of the coronavirus and Habakkuk's vision. I, I'm, I'm not saying what many others are saying, that the coronavirus is a demonstration of God's wrath because of humanity's rebellion. Uh, I would actually have to forsake the gospel to say that because God's people cannot be exposed to God's wrath. Jesus has already absorbed all of the wrath of God for us on the cross. Because of Christ, we cannot be subject to God's wrath. As Paul said to the Christians in Thessalonica, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. John said that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, 1 John 2.2. Propitiation means to appease or satisfy wrath, which Jesus has done for us. 
John also said, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him, on the unbeliever. The coronavirus is here not because of God's wrath, but because of Adam's sin. This is just part of the curse. It's nothing new. Viruses have haunted humanity for as long as we can account for humanity. And this virus is certainly not the worst virus of all, even though it's receiving the most attention. Look, if you don't attribute influenza as an act of God's wrath, which affects countless believers, why would you make the connection with corona? Uh, Superstition is not for Christians. Our understanding of all of these things must come from a good understanding of our Bibles, and certainly not from the latest conspiracy theorist on the internet. And if this virus just happens to come from uh, or cultivated in some laboratory in China, that shouldn't be attributed to the wrath of God, but to the stupidity of man. So again, I'm not connecting the historical context of Habakkuk to what we're experiencing now. I'm only interested in Habakkuk's faith in response to what he knew was going to happen. Uh, Take a look at verse 16. When these visions of of the Babylonian invasion came to Habakkuk, this is how he responded. He said, When I heard, my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled within myself. Uh, That would be the most natural initial reaction to that kind of news. An unstoppable force was about to ravish the nation, kill their babies, enslave their young men, and leave the rest for dead. No one blames Habakkuk for his initial reaction. It's quite normal and to be expected. But shortly after Habakkuk's initial reaction, faith rose to the surface and began to redirect his actions and his words. Verse 16, he continues by saying, that I might rest or be calm in the day of trouble. Now, translations differ in in how this is rendered, but they actually make no difference on how this man responded by faith. He couldn't change what was about to happen. It was out of his hands. But he calmed down and redirected his focus. And then he sang, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Habakkuk 3:17 through 19. Now, at first glance, we're tempted to assume that Habakkuk's talking about a regular famine where all agrarian necessities are cut off because of plague or blight or lack of water. Well, it's definitely a famine where there's a major shortage of food, but it's not caused by a lack of water or some pestilence. This is the kind of famine that is caused by an invading army who destroy fields, flocks, vineyards, and orchards. And what they do not destroy, they carry off for themselves. And the people who are left behind that have escaped captivity are left with nothing. So there will be no harvest because their fields were burned. 
There will be no oil for making bread because the olive groves have been destroyed. There will be no wine, not for staple purposes, and certainly not for festive ones because their vineyards were trampled. And only the Babylonians will be enjoying the fattened calf. The people of Judah, as a result of all this, they're going to be left completely destitute. And yet Habakkuk saying, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation because Yahweh is my strength and he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will cause me to walk on my high heels. Not, not to be confused with high heels. That would be a very strange image. But for Habakkuk, fear was replaced by faith which transformed his panic into praise. That's, that's what I'm interested here uh, with this song. Now, I'm not certain that true faith and that kind of fear can coexist. Uh, we can do one or the other, but not both at the same time, because eventually one of them is going to conquer the other. Faith will either elevate you to praise or fear will diminish you to panic, which can only mean that adverse circumstances make for a good litmus. If you're panicking, you're not trusting, and if you're praising, you're not fearing. That's important. If the current news of the virus and the concern for lack of food has you panicking, it's time to look to heaven so you can get your feet under you and walk by faith and turn your panic into praise. Yeah. Now there's one last thing I'd like to point out from Habakkuk's faith. Habakkuk signed off forever, uh, rejoicing and trusting in the Lord. And, and that's, that's the last we hear of the man. Uh, he was led by the Holy Spirit to record the song, to pass it on to his people and subsequent generations, and have it incorporated into public worship. That's the example, that's the legacy he left his family and his people. And in spite of all that would happen, Habakkuk was at peace, he was rejoicing in the Lord, he was celebrating his salvation and trusting in God's strength. Now, I believe that right now, this mentality is very important for us. Like Habakkuk, we have an obligation by the Holy Spirit to walk by faith in, in view of our children, in view of those who are younger in the faith, and in view of the unbelieving world. And our faith should demonstrate to all who are watching that we believe the Lord God omnipotent reigns. You see, I want my children especially to observe my faith in the midst of uncertainty, trusting the Lord while others are panicking. I want my faith to give stability to my home and to those that I serve. Uh, not that I'm unshakable, but an example of someone who trusts the Lord even when everything else is shaken. So let us be mindful of what we're communicating to others by the things we say and by the way that we act. And above all, rejoice in the Lord, as Habakkuk, have joy in the God of our salvation, for he is our rock. And though, honestly, I'm not certain what it means to have deer's feet and walk on high hills, I'm sure that by faith, I'll experience it. At least, I hope to. Now, as, as the weeks and months unravel before us, let's be sure to reach out to one another in order to serve each other and maintain fellowship resisting the temptation, as we see out there, of every man for himself. 
Uh, we're going to keep you posted on uh, everything that we're doing uh, week to week. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be back in Hebrews 12. Uh, there's much in the chapter um, that is pertinent to, I think, what we're uh, experiencing now. I think it'll have a lot of relevance to us. Um, I haven't even had time to think about what we're going to do with the Thursday night study, but I'll get that information out to you later this week. For now, uh, what I would like to do is leave you with this benediction from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. The author says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you that we have the technology to, to do all of this, even as awkward as it all seems. I feel like I'm speaking to a robot. But Lord, as I speak, I know people are listening, listening to your word. And I pray that that would minister to their hearts. And I pray that it would bear fruit uh, in a way that is a blessing to the world around them, Lord, to their children, to their spouses, and uh, that, Lord, by your grace, you'd help us to weather all of this, uh, the things that are happening. Lord, we do pray for wisdom. Uh, we pray for guidance. But, Lord, above all else, we want to make sure that our conduct honors you, that uh, people are blessed by us, and uh, so, Lord, as we seek to uh, find the things that we need for survival, uh, Lord, that we would take every opportunity to shine, to be faithful, and uh, to love those around us. So, Lord, just bless your people and grant them your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we'll love you guys, and we'll be in touch. Uh, Lord bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>